0: you. Mm-hmm. Sitting with me today is Sergeant John Katsaros, U.S. Army Air Force. Escaped the Gestapo during World War II, and here he is sitting right next to me, and he's going to give a brief introduction of himself. Yes,
1: my name is John Katsaros, I come from Havel, Massachusetts, and uh, I was with the 8th Air Force in England on a full 1st Bomb Group, 612 Squadron, 94th Wing, and the 1st Division. And that was stationed in Dthorpe, England, and we we'll were German Germany out of England. Great. So,
0: what was your opinion of the military before the Pearl Harbor attack? Were right. you interested in joining? What were, what were your motives? Were you more economically motivated to join the military? What was the main motive? Well,
1: we were in a position where we knew that the world, the world was going to be a war and then we would be in there very shortly. Mm-hmm. And the uh, amazing thing happened, I had a grocery store, and uh, six months before Pearl Harbor, there was two magazines named, Collier's Magazine and The Life Magazine. Very popular magazine, was The Life, was my favorite. And both magazines had a, a caption in front of the, of the six, six months before Pearl Harbor, it stated, Pearl Harbor is impregnable. Recall, and the other one said, Impregnable Pearl Harbor. Oh. So the uh, stories were written up on that. I got I, I get the Collier's Magazine, and it's in my book. I can't find the uh, Life Magazine with a battleship role in the front page, in color, six months before Pearl Harbor. I said, What are they trying to do? I said, They're giving the Japanese an idea how to bomb this place, and that's what happened. Interesting. Isn't so you had first-hand knowledge in the
0: newspaper right. of perhaps Pearl Harbor's a potential target, and we are defended there. And it was shocking to you when it got attacked. And you, you, what was the feeling when you saw that? The, the feeling
1: was that I was wondering if the aircraft carriers were there, because that's, that was very important for the what. That's where the... Airplanes would be flying out out of uh, islands Would be too far away. But with an aircraft carrier, they could get close to the island. And luckily, they had the four aircraft carriers out to sea. So there must have been some knowledge that that was going to happen. In fact, they knew it was going to happen eventually, but they didn't know that it was going to happen on that day. Mm -hmm. The Japanese are famous of doing things like this, On a Sunday, especially, because they did an attack once against Turkey. It was, no, Russia. Okay. Russia. And they did it on a Sunday. And they did it as a surprise uh, visit. And it was too bad whatever happened. We lost too many good men and played.
0: So so it was a big surprise. And uh, let's see. So you decided to join up. What happened right,
1: right then and there, I knew I had to join up. Yep. And the next day, I went to this the post office in Haverhill, Massachusetts, and I told them I wanted to join the the Naval Air Force. Uh, <clears throat> I wanted to become an air cadet and fly, air and fly a, a, a fighter. And uh, they said, "Come back tomorrow, because we got too many people here." Uh-huh. <laughs> they gave me a number. That I went back the next day, and there was twenty-seven of us. We all joined up at the same time from your town. That's right. Wow. But there was they. Some of them joined the Army, some joined the Navy, some joined the Air Force. I joined the Naval Air Cadet. Right. So I was I, I became an Air a, a Cadet, and I took my tests in and passed them all, my physicals and so forth. I, I went to Boston right after that, and on Causeway Street in Boston. They had a, a Naval Station there. I had to take more tests and so forth. And they told me to go home because they had so many people joining. They didn't have a place to put Amazing. You, so so Amazing. therefore, they. I waited my time for a couple of three months, and at that time, I was working at the Portsmouth Navy Yard. I was running a crane up there, and I was, and I, I was a senior in Haverhill High School, and I was only. And you joined three,
0: up when you were twenty years old, eight,
1: correct? No, no, I joined up when I was eighteen. And then so, the incident yeah. we're, we're talking
0: about mainly it happened when you were twenty. The big, the big one. Oh, I uh, thought, that,
1: that, I'll get into that quickly. Yeah. Right. But anyway, what happened, when uh, they called me in again, and sure enough, there was 10 of us, and they gave us a uh, test and uh, physicals again, a good time, and passed them all. We get, They put us in a bus, and they're going to bus us down to, uh, down to Florida, and we're going to go down and uh, become air cadets. So right away, I uh, a staff officer, a naval staff officer walked into the bunch. and said, wait a minute, I have one more test, everybody. It's an Ishihara test. So an well, Ishihara test. Now, if you go to an ophthalmologist, mm-hmm. you ask him about that. And the Ishihara test is a booklet that has several pages in it, and there's round, a round circle with various kinds of dots. And I you have to this. read the numbers in those dots. Seven out of ten men cannot read those deaths. And that's the
0: requirement to become an air cadet. Yes, because right. so
1: you're going to land and then... Right. Play, you're gonna land and them. the
0: instruments are so precise and all the different the requirements of especially flying. Especially you're landing on a, a, an aircraft
1: carrier. Right. Imagine if you got a, a, a red flag up there and it's a blue flag. It may look brown to you. Yep. Colors are important. I'm not, yeah. I'm going to say what they did to us before we went in, they had... Y- yarn, little butts of yarn, they said mm-hmm. pick a white, pick a blue, pick a brown, nothing to that. But when you get into the shades of brown, now you're not colorblind, but you have a color perception problem. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. So yeah. you were
0: you were having difficulties with that. Yes, unfortunately Some of us said
1: it, and they threw us out of the Navy. So this like changed
0: that. your course of which service to join in your decision making?
1: And right away, the U.S. Army Air Force was waiting for us. Awesome. And you know okay. why they're waiting for us? Because we could see through camouflage. Nice. We could be at 30,000 feet. You could see a German plane taking off in camouflage at his airbase, and we could say, hey, they're coming up from that airbase. What, so what's you on? had good vision. Just no, couldn't pass the same test. good vision. Yeah. All right. All right.
0: All right. Okay. So then uh, after the, the unfortunate eye test, you couldn't become an air cadet pilot, you couldn't join the Naval Air Services on the aircraft carriers. So, you chose the, the Army grabbed you. Explain that.
1: They sent us to Fort Devons. Fort Uh, Fort Fort Devons. they gave you more tests. More tests, okay. I was lucky, my brother was a a school teacher, and he said, when you get to Fort Devons, he went into service before me, Mm -hmm. and he became a colonel at the end of the war. But, he says, these are some of the questions but they, they're got to give you, but there'll be variations, so, but you got to know what, what's going to happen. So, that gave me a big help, because Great. sure enough, they had the test for a different test than he had, and I passed it with flying cows. So right away, they shipped us down to uh, Miami Beach, and that's where we had our basic training.
0: Wow, so you now live part-time in South Florida. Yes. So that's part of the love you got from, in the past... Visiting here—that's that's right. That's why you picked this place. That's right. Great. Yeah. So I live near John. I've lived around him for a little while. He knows me well. And um, so let's discuss now the journey over to Germany, and um, um, the whole process of being—you're now in the air cadet. You're now in the air U.S. Army, are U.S. Army Air Force yeah, sergeant. Not, not a cadet, Not I, a cadet.
1: No, I was sent to Fort Myers after basic training, okay. and I learned to be an aerial gunner. Then they sent me to uh, Seymour Johnson Field, North Carolina. I learned to be an aerial engineer. And then they shipped me to Salt Lake City, and that's where they assigned me to Pio, Texas, and that's where I met my group that I had to fly with. So now I was in a B-17. I Here trained we go. as a gunner. And I was being trained as an engineer. That would be a person that could actually, uh, could actually start the plane and re- prepare the plane prepare for you. Yep. Right? The engineer, fill up with gasoline. You have to check everything. Did these off. planes have in air refueling at the time. Oh, you, you refuel it. Uh, in Combat. What you do is uh, you take the plane and you put it in line to take off the other bombers. Wow. So now you stop the motors. And then you fill the tanks up again, right to the room. From the plane, from yeah, you. Oh, you had to get on the wing of the plane, and that's. Where they wow! Were.
0: So this was before they had the, the refueling you know nowadays. John. Oh no! Yeah. I didn't have this that. was this was this was John going out on the wing and filling up the plane's tank. Amazing. Yes, right? So all right. So now you're getting to your, to your major training of what you actually experienced in the war. This well, was your, This was the say, training.
1: What happens? They, they had a first phase training in Pio, Texas, second phase training in Dallau, Texas. What was the and timeline
0: of your whole training?
1: That was it. Okay. What happened is this. By the time we got into second phase training, the eighth Air Force was having a lot of problems because they started flying bombing missions into Germany. Before that, they were flying into France, and there was a quick mission, and they had protection from Spitfire's German uh, British Spitfires, American uh, P-38s and P-47s, nope. but they didn't have the P-51, which could go a further area. So and what altitude. happened? So finally what happened is a couple of missions. One was in Auscherschleben, Germany. Osterschleben, Germany. And Auscherschleben, uh, uh, they hit a, uh, a factory and there was 62 planes that got shot down there. Sixty-two Allied 000, planes. Allied planes. bombers. Ten men from ground, or were they were they Spitfire planes? They lost about they lost about forty percent of uh, anti aircraft, uh, ack-ack a- guns they called, and the others were with Me one o nine German planes uh, and Falkow for ninety-two S- great planes that the Germans had.
0: So this was a wide awakening for the air services of the uh, U.S. Armed Forces. For now, so now they needed to change strategy. A week
1: later. A week later, same thing happened in Schweinfurt. And in my book, you'll see a picture of Schweinfurt that was taken by somebody, not me, because I was not on that mission. Right? But I thought I got it in it because you could see the bomb, the ACAC coming up. And when you flew in, in ACAC, the, the Germans had excellent people that could figure it out. And I'll tell you later on the story how they did it. Yep. But we had to. Right after that, the RAF, the Royal Air Force. Right after
0: the second incident of major aircraft being shot down? They
1: devastated the 8th Air Force. Okay. They lost all their planes. They Uh, lost 120-some more planes. 20% of the planes that went back never flew again. They had dead people on those planes. Oh, my God. It was a disaster. So this time they went out there, 620 men were shot down, killed or wounded. Yep. The next time, it was 62, 6,200, right? 1,200, 200 men. Skilled airmen. And then you had dead people on a plane coming back, and the planes couldn't flag it. They didn't have any planes left, and they had no crews left. All right. So they cut our mission, and they told us, go to Nebraska, pick up a plane. So they split my, my crew in half. We took two planes and flew them to England. The b-17s Yeah, two B-17s. we took them we flew them right up there Detroit from Detroit went to it was hosted one so we were we were
0: getting kind of destroyed yeah. in the air in the airfield yeah and here comes b-17s over there okay so let's just take it you're taken off from to, in the mission we're talking about okay well, what
1: happened then we flew from yeah we flew to a Grand Newfound and then we ended up in Pressford, Scotland, then they took us and brought us down to our air base, which was indeed thought the full 1st bomb group as I mentioned before, and then the first mission, just prior to that, the, the British wanted us to join with them, and there was a big meeting with Churchill, Roosevelt, and so forth, yep. and they got together, and Starling, the two Air Forcemen, right? Stalin wasn't there, no. Oh, okay, who was it? No, <laughs> it was Where? Churchill and... Churchill Churchill and Roosevelt, okay. And and all the, uh, it was General Aker and General, all the generals that we had. All the allies. And then the British had their generals. And and while they were talking to us about trying to join that, the British had the Lancaster bombers go on a mission, and they lost 91 of them. Okay, so now things are getting a little iffy. Right away, right away. They wanted us to fly night missions because that's what they did. They would fly one behind the other and we would fly in a formation. So you're hearing this? Yeah. Oh, you're ready to go. Okay, now. Sort so of. So now they, now they decided, hey, lead so the first. So, oh. so what happened on our first mission? We got up there and uh, uh, we got it. We were supposed to go to Frankfurt. Okay. And how the, old, the are Frankfurt, how old are you on the first to, mission? Yeah, that's first mission. How old are you? Uh, I was uh, about 18. Wow. Just uh, not quite 19. Great. Uh, ninety years old. I flew most of my missions. Cool. And um, what happened is that, uh, well, it was the first time I saw a German plane, and that, what happened was how they called up. And I was the assistant junior that day, now flying a right waist position with a gun.
0: Right wing position child. with a
1: gun, yep. yeah. Right, yep. Yeah, I got a fifty caliber machine gun. Yep. And Johnny my pilot said, John, he's coming up right right by you. This plane came by me and I'll show you in the booklet that I have. Great. I'll, I'll Fox it came right by me, front in front, never took a shot at us. And I aimed at the front of the plane and I blew the whole tail in off.
0: So one of his first experiences in <laughs> air was
1: blowing the tail off a German what kind of plane was it? It was a Falk 490 190. Falk Wolf the, 190? So I called up the tail gunner. The tail gunner says, look, I can't see what happened. Did the pilot bail out? said, the pilot bailed out. Yeah, so I got to kill him. But I didn't kill them. I didn't want to kill the pilots. Mm-hmm. So, we, we, so we took down
0: the plane successfully. That's pretty, that's pretty, right. pretty, pretty. unbelievable, <laughs> <right>? Yeah,
1: wow. <laughs> <laughs> so now, now all of a sudden, we call him. We have, it was my job as sergeant. Contact, control all the other stages, So I would call for an oxygen check because now you're flying around 35,000 feet. That's important. And where does oxygen begin and stop? What altitude? 10,000 feet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now we're up 25,000 feet above 10. so you need an oxygen check. And every t- every four or five minutes, I say oxygen check. It starts from the pilot all the way to the tail gunner. The tail gunner never answered. So the pilot says, go back and check it. He had passed out because he we was well, he was firing his two guns. He was slashing around like that, and the oxygen mask came off. He didn't realize it. Good now job. When you're off oxygen, you don't know that. But you stay off it about a minute, you'll die. Mm-hmm. So I put I put the oxygen mask back on him again, and he kept fighting me when he saw to came for life. Mm-hmm. Because that's what happens. You lose and, consciousness. Yeah, I I fought and fought it, and I'm sucking up all the oxygen, and so was he in the back of the plane. Because for me to get it back, to right. the plane, I have to All get off my auction and get a little tank like that that's held 10 minutes of auction in it. And you're wrestling. And crawl back to him. And So this was
0: this was a mid-air emergency after the kill. This
1: the first mission.
0: Unbelievable.
1: <laughs> so so that details I back to life again. But we ran out of auction. And we had to run to the front of the plane and hook up these 10-minute bottles so the the rest of people in the back that have enough oxygen. Cool. So so that's the first mission. That's the <laughs> first. I don't anyway, I talk to you about, I'm I'm about yeah, all my so missions. Exactly. Of, so
0: yeah, exactly. So this is awesome so far. It's gone 18 minutes. 30 minutes is fine. I'm sure we can okay. handle that. Um So for your first mission, you landed after this. Yeah. Everybody was in, in good shape. In In Scotland.
1: The The. the, the uh, uh, intelligence will sit you down, and they say, "Okay, let us know what happened." Now you're over Germany; they want to know everything that happened over there. How many planes came right. at you? How many bombs did hit? And, you know who got shot down? Do you see any any uh, uh, You see any bombs? So you sat down with Army
0: intelligence
1: and explained. Yeah, and then you say, "Well, I saw a B-17 go down such a such a spot, and I saw three three uh, parachutes." Couldn't see nope. any more. Anybody else could see it. Nope. So you did see an Allied plane go down in this mission. Yeah, uh, right. yeah. Okay. And then what happened is that the tail gunner says, "Hey, John, aren't you going to tell them about the about the plane you shot down?" So when you get there, you know, you, when you get this is an experience. I want right. to put you into. Okay. Now you're, you're fighting a war for seven hours, right? And they are going in and coming back. It's taking you three, four hours to fly to them. It takes right. maybe 10, 11, 12 hours for the whole mission. Uh-huh. Now you're now you're in England, and everything's quiet, right? Right. And you just clam up, you know? Yeah, you are. Like just like a, like a dream, you know? So I said, well, he says, uh, what, did you shoot somebody down? So that's when somebody handed me a double shot of scotch. Oh, wow. <laughs>
0: <Bell> that <too, too laughs> so your dreams to get you back down. So
1: that double shot of scotch and the radio man does it didn't drink. And he hands over me. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> and from that day out, after drinking scotch, I never stopped talking. <laughs> Great. Anyway, so that was the first successful mission. And, okay. then, and then here
0: we go. We're taking off again. How long after this mission? Well,
1: I went to build in once, and I had to fly in with a, a replacement group. Uh-huh. And this poor pilot didn't know how to fly in formation. You had to fly formation. Because you could get more uh, gunners shooting at a German plane from different pla- elevators. Right, Maybe yeah, fire elevators. exactly. Yeah. That's right. So, depending on
0: where the plane altitudes yeah. is, you can attack more planes the plane you at shoot, this altitude. the
1: down they can shoot. Right, so and from the they get it down below can shoot. That so, so this pilot had a little trouble with it. Oh, uh, a pilot. pilot. That pilot, you've got to give him a lot of credit. That's right that, on. That's okay, the right, right. Yeah, you yeah exactly. The planes, you could almost touch the wing of the next plane. They right. almost touch it. That's how close they had to fly. And we got to give credit to do that. Understood. The to Understood. Do. I could fly a B-17. He taught me, but he never taught me to fly in formation. Yep. He never taught me to land it and never taught me to take off of it.
0: So let's give him some credit. Yeah, yeah this pilot, this pilot, mission. yeah, definitely. So this was another mission. Is this the mission?
1: Well, the, uh, the mission I want to talk about would be the one... That we got shot down on. Right. And that was our 11th mission. 11th and mission. Yeah, you know, we went to Berlin twice. And just to make it, give you a little quick story, the pilot of that plane was too scared to fly close. And I'd say to mm-hmm. him, "You know, this, I've been on about seven missions now, and there's 10 men on the plane, and he's maybe 100 yards behind the next the closest plane. Mm-hmm. And was flying the last plane the formation. They called it. Purple half corner. You know why? That, that was the first plane that the Germans would shoot down. Because mm-hmm. it was too far back. In the formation, this only, was the. Only one gun might be shooting at the plane instead of six or seven guns. Right. You know? Because you're not in formation. Right. So I called up and I said, you, you know, we, we're over the English Channel. We could be attacked right here. Mm-hmm. So why don't you get your plane in a little closer? So then. He did. It. Next the day. they know, he's back again. So, so, you're having trouble with an engine or anything like that? Uh, because we're over France now, and they're going to come up. I can see them coming up now. Hmm. And he says, Sergeant, if you keep okay, quiet, I'm going to have you court martial. I said, get that goddamn plane in there, I'll come and fire the fire. <laughs> All of a sudden, the German plane came over and shot right through the, the radio. Operators missed the radio operator, mm. and you could see all the holes. all looked like cheesecake.
0: You saw this, right.
1: you saw the bullets oh, yeah. in the plane right next to it. How much, how much in the went plane right could that, you see? He went right, that, right in there quick. You went all the way to building and back again, never get out of formation. You I get got back, it, and I went out of my hands and knees, and he came up and tapped me. He said, I want to apologize to you, Sergeant. I said, I accept the apologize, but don't worry. You became a combat pilot today. It takes most pilots seven missions to learn to fly the way you fly. Yep. That was him. Awesome. Was a, the, the,
0: the so you got a lot of respect for him and he oh, got yeah. respect for oh, you. Sure. Do you yeah. remember
1: his name? Yeah. No, no. I <laughs> yep, I, I understand. I understand. No. It's in the book probably. No, yeah. The thing is, though, the mission you would like to hear about would be the last mission. And because your story of escape. 20th escaped. of March 1944.
0: Great. 20th of March 1944. From what I understand, um nineteen forty five was the atomic bomb. Nineteen forty five during right right during that year was the storming of Normandy. Was forty four 44 was the storming 44. of Normandy. And your and your incident was July June twentieth of March. 20th of, my 20th of this is uh, Twentieth uh, of March, forty-four, and Normandy was June, of June
1: 6, ninety-five.
0: Got it. So uh, right, right
1: before Normandy. Yeah. And what happened is, so we took off at a base The weather was terrible. We flew all the way to Germany. We couldn't hold formation, bouncing all over the sky. And what happened? We got close to the. We got close to the. Uh, uh, we were going to Frankfurt that day too, and we got close to the. The area was deep in an enemy anchor. lines, huh? deep in the enemy lines. Oh, yeah, way back. Yeah, and we had no fighter coverage. Okay, because we didn't have a fighter P-51 that had the build an engine in it, it was a British engine. So, where did you take off from? We would take off from England. England, And we fly over across. France. we fly over the English Channel Yeah, to France, and then we north the right to Germany. Right, through to Germany. And I mean, scan the right. skies. Right. Uh, we bombed the me, Europeans. We bombed, you know, we jumped bouncy all over the sky. And what happened? A plane above us lost its control and it came down almost hit us. My pilot went into a dive and we were up against the wall of the plane because you're in centrif- centrifugal force. Mm-hmm. And gee, we didn't think that pilot was going to pull it off, but he did. That guy should have got the purple half of doing that because. If that plane had never hit us, he could have taken down maybe five or six hundred planes. Unbelievable. Yeah. And so there was and multiple incidents huh? during, there was multiple incidents yeah. that were amazing. So we went up, and we went up to where we were, we flying at around 35,000 feet. Yep. So we got up there, and there's not another plane in sight. Mm-hmm. Because of radio silence, we couldn't find out why, where were they going? What happened to them? So we thought they went right into the target, frankly. Now we go into Frankfurt, and the weather opens up in Frankfurt. Oh, wow. And the sun is shining nice. You can see the ground. And we're the only plane over to Frankfurt. Oh, my goodness. And my, my bombardier hit that target, 92% damage. And you see... Successful bombing of, of Frankfurt, Nazi encampments. They only report on the 20th of March. Okay. So if you see a report, you'll see a report that the 8th Air Force bombed uh, Frankfurt, Germany at 92% accuracy. Right on. It doesn't say it was one plane, though. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right? yep. they, they cover that stuff. Well, anyway, we got over Frankfurt. He hits the target. The ACK hit two of our mm-hmm. engines, the two inboard engines. The anti aircraft engines, hit two of the engines. And engines quit. But the B 17 was built strong. It was a strong plane. Yeah. You could take a screwdriver, you could put it right through the, 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 the skin of the plane because it was that thin, mm-hmm. right? But, but when you get a lot of damage on it, you could have thousands of holes in the plane and it's still flying. Wow. As long as you get the engines working, and sometimes even one engine working, I'll tell you, many times guys came back and when they got to their field, they had one engine, and sometimes that engine would cut out, and they'd fly it right in. So after the right.
0: bombing of Frankfurt, then so
1: now, now what happens? The German air force comes after us. Right. And um, six M109 planes started after us, and they started shooting after us. The first phase, it came through. That the, the uh, engineer got hit in the neck with a, with a 20 millimeter cannon, and his head was blown off. That ended up, according to the
0: pilot, in a the, in the bomb
1: bay. Wow. So the engineer
0: in the plane out. got his head blown off by yeah. German, yeah, a he plane. He was
1: the first guy that was killed.
0: So in, after the bombing, they were under attack by German planes, navigated to safer skies where they could have support from other Allied aircraft. No, no, have, there there was no none. support. We were all alone. Okay. So yeah. they were alone after this yeah. bombing in Frankfurt. And... They went south
1: towards France. That's right. Being chased by Germans. That's right. All the way from, all the way from Frankfurt, we're going across Germany, and we didn't want to get shot down, but we were running out of ammunition. Mm-hmm. By this time, almost everybody that played, had, had got shot. Mm-hmm. I got hit.
0: Where were you hit, John?
1: I was flying. I did. I was flying the right waist position. Yep. Right. Thank God I was, because if I was the engineer that day, I wouldn't have had a hit. So right. you were hitting the... What the, happened? Shoulder? No, well, I, I got hit, in, a, I got hit in, a, uh, in the legs first. Okay. In the legs, so. And what happened is that uh, the, uh, I looked at the tail gun position, and a guy slumped over. So I had run out of ammunition, but I ran back to help him, and he died in my arms. Mm. He got hit with a rocket right here in his stomach, and he just bled to death right in my arms. A plane was coming right at me, and he had, he had several bullets in his .50 caliber shell with two guns. So I aimed right straight at that plane, because he didn't even fire us. He must have been out of ammunition, or he was coming come close to knock us down. Mm-hmm. I blew him right out of the sky.
0: So another kill by drone.
1: But this guy didn't look. Wow. This guy didn't look. Got the pilot. I didn't care, because I think he was the guy that killed my right. gun. I ran back to the waist. He was dead. The engineer was dead. There's two people dead in the right? The guy next to me, left-waist gunner, got hit in the neck. And he was bleeding. I took a scarf and put it around him quickly. But it was so cold up there, 60 to 70 below zero, the blood congealed. Just mm-hmm. like that. It's a ball of, of blood. And uh, we put a parachute on him. I opened up. Two
0: people, you ended up helping out of the out of the oh, skies, we helped, right?
1: You helped a lot of people, right? Yeah, and I was getting help from the radio man only because he was the only one in the back of the plane with me. The Paul toting man hadn't got out yet. He was still firing away. And
0: I can see the memories in your yeah. eyes now. So, I mean, this, this, is this, is, this, this is all this is ridiculous.
1: Just quickly, You know everything's going crazy. right. So you're in the sky. out so we take, we open. Put, the radio man puts his parachute on the guy, and we threw him out of the plane. And he it, the poor guy, and he lived for two days in a German hospital. Mm. But by this time, we were over France, and we didn't want to live, we didn't want to bail out over Germany, because if you landed in the farmhouse, the farmer could come out and pitchfork you to death. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't let you live if you lived there. Unbelievable. Yeah. So the the Nazis had almost full support yeah. of the Germans somehow. So now we went into France and we were heading for Reims and the plane catch fire. The wind catch fire. When the wind catches fire, you got to get out of that plane quickly. That's
0: where the the gas
1: is. The gas is, right. Right. And it's flaming. And the pilot says, everybody out of the plane. And we had no communications with the pilot. But the bombardier threw the navigator out, who got Barely injured, he couldn't put his parachute on, but his parachute never opened up. And a kid saw him come down, and he died mm-hmm. at the from twenty-seven thousand five hundred feet. How and many then people then, in
0: the plane survived? Ten.
1: Ten people in the plane. Immediate survival. Already. Three dead already. Okay. And the fourth guy died. The, the liferest died mm-hmm. two days later. Now this, now this, uh, just a, just a. The, the ball turret operator, the radio man, and me left in the plane. Three. And the ball turret operator started coming out of his plane. We we're trying to get our parachutes so on and <coughs> it was hard to put mm-hmm. it on because we'd been shot. So he got stuck in a ball turret, he couldn't come out. Can you imagine what's going through his mind? You no know, right, pilot fire plates, automatic pilot on uh, fire. Right. The the pilot's thrown out uh, bailed out. The coat build up bailed out. So there's you know, three or there two, two guys to the that could help him. Two guys. Yeah. So we looked down and he, and he had a gearbox. So you could turn, you could turn that thing around 360 degrees. The gearbox, if you put your arms around it, two times around it, it was bigger than that. And there was a lot of empty shells in there. Because we had about a thousand empty shells on the floor of the plane. But what did that
0: become useful for? Huh? What did that become useful for? The right. Empty shells just interesting, yeah. Yeah. Just,
1: yeah, just so they just fell on the floor, right. as We were shooting, you know, and boom, 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 they buy. And then when we walked, we just slipped and slide over all that, yeah, it was just a mess. Stuff. And uh, <clears throat> so we went over there and plucked the stuff out. And when he came out of the plane, he was so excited that he got out, he picked up his parachute, and he picked it up by that D ring, and it opened up. Oh, no. What, what could happen, that poor guy? Oh and So he puts it around his hands, and he bails out twenty twenty five thousand with it
0: attached wrong, because he couldn't because he popped it. Soon. Yeah,
1: now we knew enough. Like we were trained. If you if that happens, you, you bail out, and you know you're going to pass out when you're coming down. Mm-hmm. So don't don't let your hands go. Hold on to it and pray. That, that, that thing will open up mm-hmm. when your arms drop as you wake up and his parachute opened up because he was unconscious almost all the way down and when he get down almost to landing his parachute got stuck in him got caught in a high tension where, and he fell down he got bit, bit hurt pretty badly the Germans picked him up and put him in a hospital for 57 days and saved his life in the meantime... Uh, so Germans really were a little bit. In plane Germans too. did
0: treat our yeah. downed soldiers... The Germans did treat our downed soldiers with some sort of respect. Oh, yeah. And yeah. we treated them with respect. Yeah.
1: And if you landed with the uh, Gestapo or something like that... It, no, it, it, different it, 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 no. story. But if you landed with the doctors around, they would try to help. Interesting. You. And if you landed with the Luftwaffe, which is the German Air Force, they would also help because we said we will help you when, when you land in our area, you help us in our area. That's what they did. So it seems
0: like the young men really
1: the Luftwaffe, the German, the German Luftwaffe were not Nazis, Interesting. They, were, they wouldn't salute this way, they saluted this way. That's different a, story. That's a good thing. They hated Hitler. Interesting. They, they so, Hitler. So, anyway. So here we yeah. are, he three guys on the plane, one out. got out, got... There's only two left. Two yeah. left, John so, and his friend. So he, the, the radio man came up, and with his left hand, because he was shot in the right hand at, right after that. Well, well we had, helped him kill the gunner. Uh-huh. I mean, the ball sort, we both got hit in the right arm, mm. and we couldn't even use it. So you, so you were still we getting shot at while you were helping yeah. him? Huh? You were still getting shot at while you were oh, helping yeah. him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So anyway, uh, what happened is that... Uh, and he took his left arm, and I took my left arm, and he clipped his parachute on, and he clipped my parachute on nice. right that way. Nice. So now, we had to take a free fall, too. And this is
0: at 20 years old. How
1: old was your friend? I was 20. Huh? Yep. <laughs> so now, when you know enough, when you bail out, you, when you bail out, you kind of just fall out. just because fall out. B- you bundle if, up and fall yeah, out of the plane. If you stand up, you got to hit the end of the plane to get killed. Right. right. So. That's what we do. What do you do before that? Say a prayer. Yeah. You say a prayer. And you want somebody else's help.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I finally get, I wake up finally. I'm way down. I'm coming down. Going down about so
0: he's in midair over he, France. Yeah, what town in France was Faribes, France, France, France,
1: right? Okay, We're so th-
0: what I know is he ended up on a runway. Go ahead, that's drummer. right. really... Yeah, Go so you know, yeah, <laughs> good, good. <laughs> and I also got one
1: other guy random to buy your book. So anyway, and no, we'll talk about the book later. <laughs> all right, and then what happened is that uh, uh, when I woke up, I prayed again because I couldn't raise my right hand. Because the D ring was right here. So waking up on the ground. So now we're waking up, up in the air. Over, I got just barely got it in with my fingertips. In air, and I pull it. I'm still close to the ground. Okay. And whack, and the parachute opened because you're, you're yep. down hundreds of miles out on And you're in you're, yeah, in, you're in thick air now, low Yeah. And
0: I broke six ribs. The parachute, parachute strap broke six of his ribs.
1: Yeah. Okay. Of the he can handle it, he's fine. Yeah, and then I hit the ground, fractured this ankle through places, fractured the ankle in one place. I cut my head off. Describe
0: open. the landing in briefly. Like huh? describe, describe the initial landing briefly. The landing,
1: I landed at an Air Force, uh, French Air, World War I Air Force base. It was, was, it huh? was it in use? Was it in use? Not in use. Wow. It not, not so it was uses. just privately used, probably. Yeah, it was, it was owned by people by the name of Chabon. And uh, uh, what happened is we all landed. We all landed right on the runway. Mm-hmm. Everybody that, that bailed out. And there's a, a French researcher that flew at that airplane found out exactly where we landed. And we get it in a book. You can see it. Cool. Anyway, everybody should read that book. I agree. I'll yeah. say it now.
0: <laughs> Code Burgundy, The Long Escape by John Katsaros. He wrote it himself almost entirely. Mm. And okay. it's his true story. You can get it on johnkatsaros.com. And we'll just briefly ex- touch on um, his escape in France. Yeah. So, ep- ep- after so what after happened? you I buy like, his book.
1: I was uh, a German player flew all me. And then the one and I, might have been the guy that shot us down. So and German planes flew over
0: and gave was looking at his position, the gave the, off the off
1: position off. away. Yep. Yeah. And the Gestapo came over. But actually, I could see the, the pilot's face as he came by mm. and saluted me. And I, Interesting. And I saluted left-handed. I guess he was coming this way. So I, was, I couldn't use my right hand. So I used my left hand. I saluted him. He came over three times. Each time he came That's over That salute might have saved me. your life. Yeah. I, that's what I say about the low Right on. Yeah. And the Gestapo picked me up. And they brought me to the farmhouse. And I was there for two or three days. And I, they, they kept questioning me, I want to give an answer. Name, rank, serial number. Then the third day, they brought a doctor, a, a, German, uh, a German doctor. And he came me he wanted to cut my right arm off because it had gangrene in it. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't let him do it. And he got an they put two guys over me and left me, and I gave myself last rights, and that's how I was going to die.
0: So he was in Gestapo-controlled farmhouse, and they told him he had gangrene, he knew he had an illness, he knew he was injured. Imagine that. Imagine that. So now there's a group in France called the French Resistance,
1: and all who, came sudden, to your, who, who
0: came to your rescue at, at what
1: point in this at farmhouse? At what point did you Become aware of someone helping you. And they, I, all of a sudden, I woke up, and I saw three men walking in with pistols. Oh. And I thought there was a, a Gestapo coming to threaten me. And two of them walked in to where the two guys were, and I hear pop, pop. And the other guy came over and put his finger into my mouth, and I knew right away it was the resistance. I kept my mouth shut, and he picked me up, put me in his car, and we drove off. We had a firefight with the Germans and in the car, yeah. And they, I got hit right over here, and they they must have hit the the part of the car. Yep, and I got part of the car on the bullet that's still in here. Wow!
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, here we go. Here's a true story of French resistance, true, true Frenchmen coming to the aid of an American who they somehow got word of in the Gestapo farmhouse. And they had the cojones to come in there and save your life. And you're still talking to me today with your wife in the other room.
1: That's right. So that's amazing. You've got to give the French resistance so much credit. A lot of people don't care for French people, but it's because Americans, they have a bad attitude sometimes when you go to different countries. But if you speak a little French to them, while you say bonjour, and they love you, they love you. And these people here treated me like a son. That is awesome. Just like a son. So,
0: John, do you want to explain the story? Do you think people should read the book, or do you want to explain a little bit more?
1: I'll tell you quickly what they did. Okay. They took me me to a French doctor that had had a um, a, a clinic. A clinic so I, in France. Right behind Reims Cathedral in Reims. In and Reims it's Cathedral. It's Near Reims there.
0: Cathedral, yep.
1: And I go visit him once in a while. And
0: uh, and he's safe in French
1: resistance and, hands, that, sort of. And the, the, the owner was a true Jew Frenchman, Jewish. And yep. he came up, he says, My name is Dr. Levy, I'm going to try to save your life. He offered that morning, and ran out of ether. Operated that afternoon, ran out of ether again. Now, he's worried about my arms. He says... If he doesn't get enough ether for about an hour and a half operation, he's going to, I'll have to agitate his arm. Ether
0: is pure alcohol used to neutralize infection. You know, what
1: I did is get or ether. They gave me ether. Ether
0: to yeah, inhale and yeah. put
1: you out, like an yeah. anesthesia. Yeah, that's right. Okay. That's what they had. So the French went out and stole. Stole. And yet, I don't know how, many, how much ether they stole. From the right. Skin. They brought it back the next morning, gave it to the doctor. And he operated on me three times in 28 hours. To save this save my life. this
0: operation was on the wound from the the plane, the your heels, your gangrene. That's all they did. And they, they, they saved the
1: arm. They saved your arm. They put it, they put it in a cast. Okay. And when I woke up, that's what I looked for first. I looked for my arm, and my arm was in a cast. Awesome. You'll see a picture of it in my book, right? Great. And the other thing is, the the ribs they couldn't do anything with all they did was put a, a strap around you mm-hmm. and that's it and I couldn't walk anyway so they didn't they didn't bother with the ankles at all they never did bother with it <laughs> so anyway so it was a long
0: I, it was a long escape with the help of the French resistance and their connections all through France and right. over the border into Spain
1: well the thing is quickly
0: yeah they,
1: they, The Germans had a good idea that I was working, not only with the British, but I was working with Churchill's SOE, Special Operations Executive. So John Cutsalos
0: here, the man sitting here talking to me, was sending crucial intelligence from France through the French Resistance to British and American intelligence agencies to aid in their invasions of Normandy and also... Other attacks in France against the Gestapo. And you can learn about all of this and more and on johnkatsaros.com. John Katsaros, John The Long Escape. Uh,
1: Jake Katzaros: free. free.
0: You can email you can email him at jkatsaros 3 at comcast.net, comcast. 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 and all of this will be linked in the in the podcast description. John. Thank you so much, and I will also do an article review of your book to give them more details on the escape in France, but I think we shared so much to get get readers interested. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you very much. You did a good job. Thank you. As an announcement. Thank you. And I appreciate it.